survival horror. It's one of her favorite genres because when you think about the games on the PS1, the PS2, you have Resident Evil, Silent Hill, and variations of those games, but one that often gets talked about but has been completely neglected by Capcom for many years is Dino Crisis. We got about three of those games, and the third one was so bad I think everybody just kind of forgot about the series as a whole, but on the PlayStation 1, we actually got two excellent games that a lot of people have uh, said for many years, hey, we would love to get some kind of remaster or remake. But when we go all the way back to the original game, is it worth playing in modern times? We're going to be talking about that in another exciting edition of A Cast of the Past with a brand new episode available on podcast apps every single Sunday and clips throughout the week at youtube.com slash A Cast of the Past with yours truly, Juan Velas. I am from Puerto Rico and joining me, two people that love these types of games. So I'm really looking forward to our discussion from London, Ontario, we have Brickhouse, Keith Hamilton. Now, Keith, in your case, hi. going from Resident Evil in Silent Hill, how familiar were you with these uh, games, uh, especially with this one that came out in 1999? Well, I played Dino Crisis when it first came out, so I had experienced like the first and second game long before I had ever touched Silent Hill from because like playing Silent Hill for the first time is when we reviewed it on the podcast available in the archives. So I was quite familiar with the style of Dino Crisis, especially with it being a Capcom survival horror game from that time period. And uh, now we have from Boston, Massachusetts, Mr. Ryan McNulty. Now, you come here way more with the Silent Hill side of things, which is a lot more. I'm suspense. like the Ying. He's like the exactly. Yang. Exactly. It's the healthy combination. So mm -hmm. considering that one's pacing and all of that, when you heard about Resident Evil with dinosaurs, that's what a lot of people said. Like, was this something that intrigued you back in the day? Absolutely. I hadn't heard of the game until a few years ago, but when I heard the concept, I was already a fan of these types of games. So I was like Resident Evil plus dinosaurs, sign me up. So I've been excited to play this game for quite a while, ever since we decided to, to do this for the podcast. And definitely that concept was alluring and I'm, I'm glad we got to play it. Now for everybody watching and listening, please be part of the conversation by checking out the Discord. We have a lot of people there that have joined recently, uh, thanks to our Twitter posts, our YouTube channel, and all that stuff. You can join that at acastofthepast.com slash Discord. And if you're listening to us on anything like Spotify and you want to support, the best way is by leaving that five-star review on any of the apps. And before we get to the conversation, uh, this is going to be split because first we'll be talking about uh, Silent Hill, Dino Crisis itself, but then <laughs> afterwards, because it's inevitable, we are going to kind of compare this first game, right? We're not reviewing the second one with the Resident Evil and Silent Hill games around that time. And what are some of the pros, some of the cons, the things that maybe this game did better at or worse than those other ones. But for context, uh, this game came out in 1999, July, as a matter of fact. The sequel, which also came out on the PS1, came out in September 2000. This got a meta score of 74%. And what's interesting about this particular game is the lead producer is Shinji Mikami. Uh, he's part of Capcom, and this guy, I mean, some of his pedigree include Devil May Cry and Resident Evil 4. I mean, pretty good, right? Dude's made a good game or two in his day. 
yeah, that's a stacked resume if I've ever seen it. Exactly. So <laughs> it's very interesting to see, especially with four, you know, just how his uh, games developed over time. And we talked about Silent Hill that came out in 1999. Same thing with Pokemon Snap. We actually have a, a review of that classic game available now uh, in the archives. But then talking about this game, overall impressions, starting with Keith Hamilton. Uh, what do you think of your recent playthrough with uh, Dino Crisis 1? Honestly, I don't like it as much as I remembered liking it. And it's, go oh God, it's going to be so hard not to say the words Resident Evil when talking about it, but I'm going to try my best. Give Ryan a dollar every it time you say Ari. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we should have like a little you're getting ready to retire. <laughs> Silent Hill and Resident Evil. But yeah, like I mentioned, I didn't enjoy it as much as I did back in the day just because I found the pacing of this game to be a bit a bit not to my liking because so we're talking about the survival horror genre that's going to be that's going to be my loophole i'm going to say the survival horror genre and you're going to know what i'm talking about and when like in the survival horror genre you have the action side of things and you have like the more slower methodical psychological puzzle style things and while i was playing dino crisis it felt like it kind of had the worst of both of those styles plus the tank controls that weren't really refined up to that point so for that i wasn't there, there, there i have a lot of dislikes i don't uh, looking back on it fondly i did not have those dislikes before playing this game but now that i've spent the time with it i put in the hours there's a lot of things that i look back on as a con and kind of go ah oh, maybe they could have made a better choice there than a, my original playthrough and ryan in, in your case having played so many you know we we have gone back and played resident evil 2 and 3 we'll be comparing that a little bit later but then just enjoying this after those other ones was this something you enjoyed and what you think of it i did actually enjoy it quite a bit the thing that surprised me the most was how puzzle heavy it was i was i was expecting this to be a very action heavy game based on just the concept and you kind of have jurassic park in mind where you might be just like gunning down dinosaurs the whole time but it was much more of a you're kind of locked in this facility and you're almost being hunted by the dinosaurs and they will chase you around. So you that's a little bit of a unique concept, at least in terms of looking at multiple regular enemies, being able to have that ability. So that surprised me with the enemy side of things. And then, like I said, it's it was much more puzzle heavy than I expected. And there was a lot of very puzzle heavy sections during the game. But overall, I would say I liked it quite a bit. Is, is it my favorite? You know, that's that's something we'll we'll get to a little bit later. But it it definitely was an enjoyable game. See, for me, I was conflicted. I think uh, the the game. If you ask me, what was the first two hours for me like? I'd say great game. Afterwards, I'd say it's a very good game. Then it became. Hey, it's it's a good one of those. It's a good one of those. And then towards the end, I'm not going to lie, I was like, can I please just get this over with? Like, it's... Yeah, I was right there And with it's you. not because it was bad, but I felt nothing. It's like, you can sometimes feel when a game doesn't just captivate you. And I feel like in this case, without even having to compare it to other games, the story in this 
I just felt nothing. And and I would love to know before we get into a discussion about that, Ryan, could you briefly describe like what is the story of uh, Dino Crisis? So the story is essentially there is a team. It's called Sort, right? I think it's Special Operations Raid Team. And I don't think they're associated with a specific country. <laughs> so lame. Yeah, they just you called, know they couldn't they 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 yeah. had to one up it from stars and just make it a little yeah. worse. I don't know if there's like they ever mentioned like a country because they're just like the government, the government. But anyway, uh, maybe they just wanted to keep it not very political, which I understand. Anyway, what happens is this team previously sent an agent to this island called Ibis Island to investigate this special weapons project. And then that agent reports back that there is a world-renowned scientist, Dr. Kirk, who he discovered is working there. But the uh, issue is that that specific doctor was presumed dead about three years ago. So people are like, okay, what the heck's going on? So the rest of the team where the game kind of kicks in is going to investigate this situation to figure out what's the deal with this doctor and, you know, you know, obtaining him as well as figuring out what's going on with this special weapons project. So you end up playing as Regina, who is part of that raid team. And you have, uh, I believe Rick and Gail as your other teammates who you work with throughout the game. And you're just trying to. There was a Cooper. Which was the one that oh, got Cooper, iced yeah. at the beginning? Cooper gets eaten by a, a T Rex like right at the beginning. So it's always got to happen. He's done. Yeah, but you but you got to mention Cooper. Got to give Cooper a shout out. R.I.P. Exactly. So Ryan gives like a that that's a really good base of a discussion. I do feel like for the sake of this, uh, it's not like a huge spoiler, but I guess we we do got to spoil a little bit of like one of the the plot twists in in relation to the story. A lot of you may think to yourself, because I had that question, it's like, okay, so Ryan described all of that, but dinosaurs, like, why? What What is the logic behind, how do you justify the dinosaurs going in there? And the whole game, like, that was the question that I had. Throughout the game, they reveal that basically where those facilities are, back in the day, that's where the dinosaurs were. And because uh, of a portal, all this technology stuff happening... It's almost like a time shift where the things from the past are going over to the future. And I thought that was an interesting way to justify that, right? Because it's like, it's not a Jurassic Park. It's not like everybody's aware of dinosaurs. The game's mindset is like, dinosaurs, Keith, what what the hell is wrong with that? What did you guys think about that attempt at a plot twist, I guess, as far as to justify how the dinosaurs came to be in that location? I mean, I was definitely glad it's there. If we're talking about the elements of this game, the story, I would say, is the most throwaway element of it. But I'm glad that they actually took the time to justify the fact that, oh, there's actually a really good reason why the dinosaurs are here. And it's because of the experiments that the scientist, Dr. Kirk, was were doing. And, you know, like every scientist in a movie or video game, it just went a little bit wrong. And now we got the raptors everywhere yeah they couldn't fully rip off jurassic park 100 because i think it would have <laughs> just been a little too on the nose so i think this worked as a 
not too complicated. We're not going to just spill exposition over and over again about how these dinosaurs came to be. Instead, we're just going to be like, yep, we, we got this time warp going on and things that used to live on this island thousands and thousands of years ago or millions of years ago are now popping up. So I, I think it worked without getting too ridiculous and convoluted, which I think it was the right approach. Now, I think to transition a little bit to the to the gameplay, you know, for for 1999, like this was the thing, right? This was the the type of game a lot of people enjoyed. The thing that really struck me with this game is even though the gameplay was not bad, it's it's a lot of what we are used to. But as both of you said, it really surprised me just how puzzle heavy the game was. Like if I had to balance out you know, on a percentage wise, how much action I had in the game as opposed to puzzle, it was like maybe 15% action because going back and it's the only comparison I can kind of make is with these other types of tank control games, not just RE and Silent Hill, you can usually run and outmaneuver the enemy. So that's just what I kept doing. And then it just led to a lot of puzzles to then continue the story, which I don't really care about. And that loop I just felt kind of kind of empty. Did either one of you have a, a similar experience? Yeah, they very much fell into a loop or formula with this game where I felt like, okay, I'm doing the action parts. I'm getting to the room with the puzzle. I did the puzzle. Now here's the cutscene. The cutscene's going to take me to some action hallways. Now I'm going to find the new puzzle and I'm going to get to the cutscene. And then really for like a good majority, I would say like at least 75% of the game, that's kind of the loop that they fell into. And... I was, I, though I make it sound like a bad thing, I didn't necessarily hate it. I, I didn't hate parts of it because I, like you guys, I enjoyed the puzzles more than the action in this game because they made some choices with the action or at least the action part of it that I think makes it a more difficult game on in like the survival horror franchise. And I'm not saying that difficulty is a bad thing, but the fact that they did things like, oh, there's no health bar that you don't get to see. The way that you know if you are bleeding and you need to use a like a hemostat item is the fact that there's just blood dripping sucks. on the floor. I freaking hate oh, whenever it's... a game has that mechanic. <laughs> that's one of my biggest pet peeves because yeah. when I got to focus like, great, I'm bleeding. So even though I have health now, if I don't like patch that up, I'm eventually going to be low health. And having to be mindful of that was, has always been annoying to me. It, it, I felt like it didn't come up often enough to annoy me. I, I always had a good amount of health items. Uh, but I don't know. I, I did play on easy, admittedly. So I I, hmm. I coasted through the game hmm. uh, a little bit more on that. So fully full disclosure there. I'm going to give that a solid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm not the survival horror guy and I played a normal. So I'm just saying. It's only because you already started a file yeah. on normal. <laughs> I, I do wish I played on normal because I think the enemies were a little too easy. And I think one of the core elements of the game was the the raptors. And I think that makes them stand out from other series um, because they are they're more intelligent than you might expect from a survival horror enemy. Um, so I do think that was a little bit lost uh, on the difficulty there. But I think the puzzles were were very solid and I think they were pretty intricate. Sometimes, you know, opening a door wasn't just open a door. There was a little bit more to it and I appreciated it. There's one thing on the puzzle element uh, 
that I didn't like. It wasn't a huge deal, but I can see why other games do things differently is just because the DDK items are the things that like open up all the doors throughout the facility and they all have like a letter like A or B or C associated with them. It does get a little confusing, like which door is which letter. They don't throw too many at you at once, but it makes me understand why there's more obtuse items in survival horror games that are keys because it makes you remember where one thing should go to another place. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, I know, especially the way that they chose to do it, because I think the closest example from that time is you could look at is like Metal Gear Solid, because they have like, oh, this is a card key level one door. Yeah. This is a card key level two. But all of a sudden, like, OK, I just picked up A, B, C, and then I just F somewhere over here. And what happened to D, E and all of these? So if they would have stuck with like going, basically escalating the alphabet, I think it would have alleviated a lot of the confusion. But I was sitting there for a while like, okay, I just picked up J. What am I supposed to do with this J? And why do I have J already? Yeah. And and I think for me, what really interested me, me, me about this game is I would have loved for it to have some kind of editor. And as far as Keith is the, the, the perfect person behind the game, right? You're developing the game and you have this idea. It's like, Keith, just because you have all these puzzle ideas, that doesn't mean they should all be in the video game. And hey, the game did get a sequel, which you've played, Keith, right? And maybe they yes. do address some of that stuff. And you know, maybe we review the game in the future or something like that. But what really annoyed me about it is when you give me so many puzzle pieces, like the the doors, I actually appreciated how simple but cool it was. Like you got to get two different items and then you got to try to figure out what's the word. But then you go to the freaking cranes. And I mean, I wanted to break my head like because <laughs> I like and, and it's not that they are bad individually, but collectively as a game. I think it led to me going like, OK, you, you got to you got to give me some more action. Because then when you go to the action side, and I'm not saying this is a bad game at all, okay? But we have played Silent Hill, and we're, we're going to be talking about that. We have played Resident Evil and other games that at 1999, we had a pretty much, we had a pretty good idea of how to do this. I think the gunplay is so lackluster for a game with dinosaurs. Like, okay, let's go back to freaking 1999. If as a kid, I look at Dino Crisis and the cover, if I had to choose between action and puzzle game, I'm like, this is, oh man, like dinosaurs, action. There is so little action and the action that is there is just okay. But it is dinosaurs. Yeah. With other games, you can be more forgiving because the enemies, maybe they're not as maneuverable and flexible, but freaking dinosaurs and you're easily outrunning them. They are in these narrow hallways and I don't think the environment actually fit dinosaurs at all. No, because you have those narrow hallways. And the part that really got to me was the lasers and how you could just sit there and watch the dinosaurs like run into the lasers for hours on end if you really, <laughs> really wanted to. But I don't know. I, I In terms of combat, I almost feel like it's a bit of a detriment, the fact 
that this game is based around dinosaurs because I was comparing it in my head while playing it to other survival horror games. <laughs> and <laughs> he's trying hard, ladies I'm, and gentlemen. I'm, it's so hard. <laughs> but the fact that some of those games and it really it could stand for anything like there's there's an echelon of the type of enemies you face. Like you have the easy ones, let's say like a zombie that like, OK, you put a couple bullets in it and then you move on. And then you kind of have the more difficult enemies that you got to put a little more thought in to when you are ha when you have a game with dinosaurs and like a raptor a fast moving like pretty easy to get to you and take you down raptor is your base enemy like you're kind of always in that like intense situation there's no cooldown really with a um, like a lighter enemy and, and they actually do it like later in the game once they introduce things like compies and the little guys in there but even then they have their own tricks that you have to do it. There was no like action cooldown. You were always just going at this blazing speed. And then the only way that they make it more difficult later in the game is it's a trick that they use another one in other survival horror games where instead of the normal color raptor well now you're facing the blue one that yeah. does a little more the numbers are a little different yeah, the on enemy it. Like, variety is bad. There's yeah, just and it got to me yeah, real you just bad have, this playthrough. You have <laughs> raptors, you have blue raptors, you get the little guys, pterodactyls, and then and the, the little guys are pretty much worthless. Not, like, they never hit me. Yeah. Not once. Mm-hmm. Like, those should be the cooldown enemies. Those are your zombie equivalent, but you don't see them for a long time, and they're very yeah. few and far between. And I think some of reading into some of it, it was due to, like, limitations of the game because initially I read that they wanted to have this game like out in the jungle and to be able to like take down different dinosaurs and stuff. But obviously having to render like all the vegetation, things like this, because this game doesn't use like the pre-rendered backgrounds like we've seen in other games. It's like it's like um, another game I can't mention because I don't want to put it. All right, <laughs> another I'll just say it. game it in the survival horror yeah, genre. <laughs> like Silent, Silent Hill also does the fully 3D, but it's fixed camera angle, but everything is like fully 3D. It's not any pre-rendered background. So that's what we have in this game. And they wanted to do that. So a whole outdoor jungle would have just been too much for the game to basically handle. But then I think they got, they wanted to really go above beyond with the enemies, but it's like, how do you fit a stegosaurus inside of a building? You know what I mean? Like, there's just, there's not many, like, if you really want to have all the cool dinosaurs everyone knows, it's tough to do all of them, like, indoors and things Plus, like that. like, isn't a stegosaurus a herbivore? Like, what's the justification True. of... <laughs> Or what is it? A triceratops, you. maybe. Okay, maybe. you yeah. know something like that. Keith, I got a question. Like, I guess for they could have done mini ones, but do you have any plugs? Oh, uh, I have a gray one and a red one, uh, but I'm missing a blue one and a green one. I thought that was for a cast of the past after dark. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends what kind of plugs you want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, let me go get my black one. One minute. <laughs> and I really do want to play the sequel because when talking about plugs for those that haven't played the game, Dino Crisis has a lot of things that maybe other games haven't attempted. And for a game that's so heavy on puzzles, they sure have a lot of elements about the, the ammo and, and the items management because 
you don't just have a, a crate, right? You don't just have a box where you can put things in. With Dino Crisis, something that I thought was awesome is that when you get these different plugs in the game that have that they're left by bodies or things like that, you can get access to a place that has uh, things for health, and that can help you with you know stop the bleeding or heal you up. You can mix up items, and I think that's really good. And when you talk about the ammo stuff, you know, you also have like grenade launchers, you have all that ammo. And I love the fact that you can even try to like within the system because it's such a tech heavy game. It's like, oh, now you can get access to the the ammo you had in the previous room or something. I just never found myself really worrying about that. Like not up until the end of the game was I like, I mean, I, I guess I should dabble into this a little bit. The only things I, I really used were the health packs and I would mix that with like the anti stuff and, you know, to make it, uh, you could upgrade the med pack so they would also stop the bleeding. And that was cool. But the ammo stuff, and I played it in normal. Maybe if you get like another game mode or something, I just rarely found myself needing to use a lot of this stuff. Uh, I don't, Keith, because like Ryan's Mr. Easy here. Keith, in your case, like, did you have <laughs> any experience with those? I mean, I, I think the plug system is cool, especially for like, in, in a lot of those games, it becomes like a I'm going to run through a room and I'm going to hit the circle button and eventually my character is going to drop to a knee and oh, here's some bullets. I think the plug system is cool as like, a, OK, here is the spot that you are going to restock at. But yeah, as far as the mixing stuff, I didn't really do all that much of it. I like I don't really. I'm sure there's a good reason for it, but I don't understand yeah. the difference well, between like some... the tranquilizer bullets and the normal bullets and yeah, stuff I like didn't, that. I didn't mess with the tranquilizers too much, except when I was low on ammo, because on easy, you could just gun down all these enemies, of course. but you would run out of ammo. They didn't like, it wasn't like I was stocked, you know, gas to the gills with ammo here. I was actually finding myself running low at times, but basically the best part about the mixing that I used it for was you could turn some of like, what was it? Like you said that, um, aid thing, whatever you could basically turn non heal items into like a full recovery. If you mixed it with, and you it. even got more um, items sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So it, it definitely was good for, you know, turning something into like a med plus so that you could just fully recover, um, so that's what I ended up using it for. I didn't really dabble too much in trying to make like the darts or anything like that. No. So you mentioned one that you're interested in playing the second one eventually. What if I told you that they threw all of that out the window really? in the second one and you did nothing? Okay. Like that? <laughs> I'm legit curious to like figure out what that because a lot it's of people seem to say better things about the second one than the first. Not that the first one's bad. Yes, that is that is accurate. Okay, so let, let's have a, a small conversation here. If you were to pick your favorite thing, starting with Ryan, if you were to say this was my favorite thing about playing Dino Crisis now, what would you say it was? I would say probably, I think my favorite thing was the puzzles because it caught me off guard and I thought for the most part... They were more intricate than I expected. Like I said, you know, the crane puzzles might be a pain for some people, but I actually found them to be fun, as well as the puzzles where with like the multiple plates where you try and make it like a connecting pattern. Um, I did enjoy those quite a bit. And, you know, 
some people may not like this, but the puzzle, this is very like grab a pen and paper type of game where you want to write stuff down. And some people may not like that, but it's one of those things that it kind of takes you back to when you're a kid and, you know, you you don't have games like that anymore. So it's kind of more of like a nostalgia thing, but... I just, I really enjoyed the puzzles. Like I said, I wasn't expecting it at all. So that part was kind of a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. I have to agree where I liked when we were going through the gameplay loop, I liked the part where I finally got to the puzzle part of it before the cutscene, And the way, the fact that like, yeah, there's a couple of repeat puzzles, but they do a pretty good job of keeping it fresh puzzle wise where you're not really running into the same thing over and over and over again and like there are a couple that really gave me problems like i have never ever been good at puzzles where you have to like remember like the the simon puzzles where you have to remember Mm -hmm. exactly the order that things go and i'm just my brain isn't built that way and conveniently it was the one that like you only have limited tries on and i found myself quite like it was it was quite the challenge in some instances to actually sit down and like you said put pull up a note on my phone and work through everything and take the time to enjoy the puzzles i found that to be a nice counteract and like a nice cool down to the action which was very much one note in this game yeah for me i'd actually have to agree with the whole like note taking part the 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 keys and you having to figure out the words i really enjoy that stuff because as ryan mentioned it's it's so 90s, right? That is such a 90s thing because nowadays, uh, even with Breath of the Wild and some games that initially you don't get a lot of information, you can just take a picture with your phone. Like It's so easy to cheat around the system where when you yeah. put yourself in 1999, you're like, you couldn't just pull out your phone and be like, I'm lost here. I don't have the strategy guy. Like, where do I go? You can't just Google Dino yeah. Crisis puzzle. But, yeah, but I feel like even games of today just... Y- there's almost no game that even requires that in any capacity. If there was something like, oh, if you see a code in a game today, I feel like it just gets added to like your in-game notebook or something like that. So you can just reference it in-game. You know what I mean? I wish that I could build a time capsule and send you back to when Fez was first released on the Xbox 360 because that would be your jam so hard because there was like this two-week period where the game has its own language and like people were trying to decipher it and figure out the puzzles in that game like i just i I wish i could do that it has nothing to do with dino crisis but this is like a me to you thing it got very personal now keith like that that was beautiful man sorry it was beautiful (laughs) (laughs) another thing that i like about the game is even though you're kind of like a like a mission squad right it's like go there try to figure out you know is this scientist alive you're kind of like an investigator and you can do little things like uh, uh, scan people's fingerprints. And even sometimes you'll see a dead body. My instinct was like, well, just in case, let me just scan it. And not every time it worked. But I like that because some games, I hate it when they introduce a mechanic and you use it for that one specific thing. Because it, it just feels flawed. It's like, come on, man, at least make me feel acclimated, right? And I think that's good. And then the other thing, and I mean, you can let me know, Keith, if, if the double down on that or not on the second one because they didn't do it a lot here is you do have some decision making i don't know if it actually matters too much but even towards the end of the game when you eventually have to escape the building 
I felt the pressure of, okay, here's kind of like the more passive approach, but if I mess that up, I got to take the other one. So do I just go with the action-oriented route? And having to sit down and think about not what would Juan do, but Regina, because the character is pretty outspoken compared to like other games where the, the, the protagonist is fairly silent. I feel like I can understand Regina and the conflicts that she has with some of the characters, and I really thought that was good. I don't know if you guys related with that. I, I really like the choices. I just, I screwed up on them. But I really like that in some instances, you could choose a more puzzle heavy route or a more action route. And the only thing is towards the end of the game, I think it was like the second to last decision. I kind of just sided with the character that like story wise, I wanted to side with, but immediately regretted it because I was like, at that point, I needed a little bit of a break from the puzzles because I think I had just done like one of the bigger puzzles in the game. And I just felt like uh, I kind of just would have rather done the action sequence. And I selected the puzzle one and I was kind of like annoyed with myself because I was like, oh, I'm a little bit over this right now. Uh, but then at the end of the game, I, it definitely was no longer like a gameplay decision. I was wanting to you know, instead of just abandoning the mission and trying to get the hell out, I was like, no, I kind of want to see this mission through and siding with Gail, who is more of like the, you know, Rick, it, it, the control guy is definitely seems he's the more likable character and he's more of like your friend. Yeah, methodical. And then Gail. Yeah. And even though Gail he feels like he's in the wrong most of the time, I kind of was siding with him and like, I want to see this through. I don't want to just have a, a crappy ending to this game. Yeah, he was yep. committed, and I was like, I don't want to get the worst ending in the game, so let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it was, I liked it a lot, and it was, I enjoy it for less of what it do, did in the Dino Crisis series, and more of how they kind of cherry-pick elements from it and used it in other survival horror games. <laughs> <laughs> he's dying to get to the I'm just second like listening part to Keith, I'm like, man that that is so wordy like, it feels like he's in physically in yeah. pain because he can't say like, oh Evil. my god so <laughs> it's so hard before we get to that conversation we have the one defining question and the reason that we played this game you know recently which is forget about when this game came out we played it in 2021 if somebody was listening it was like keith after you played it, after you experienced it, would you suggest, forget about a remake or a remaster, we're talking about this version, do you think somebody should play it? I think they should. This is a very much a fans of the genre should check out this game style thing where I think that this game has its own merits, but I would also recommend like five games before it and once you go through all of those games i would even recommend another dino crisis game before this game so once you kind of go through all of those and then it's a very much like you should check this out somewhere in the middle of the survival horror list okay that's that's a pretty logical way of thinking about it what about you mr mcnulty so is Dino Crisis worth playing in 2021 or oh. 2021? Oh, yeah. I, I would actually side with Keith on if you are a fan of the genre, and by genre I mean PS1 and early PS2 survival horror, because these games are dated, they're clunky, 
but there is a charm to them. If you've never tried out the genre, I do think Dino Crisis is a good starting point. It's not something where the lore is going to overwhelm you and it's not as intimidating maybe to get into as some other series. So I, I think it actually is a good starting point. And if you enjoy this game, yeah, sure, there's definitely better games out there, but I don't think it's the worst place to start either. Um, but yeah, keep in mind, it's going to be very dated. So if you're used to only modern games, there's a decent chance that it might just be too clunky for you. See, for me, I, I went into Dino Crisis with a pretty casual perspective as somebody that I enjoy this genre, but I don't live for this genre. Like survival horrors may be in my top six favorite genres, not top five. And I got to say that if you love it, kind of like what you guys talked about, sure, play it. But otherwise, if you're curious about the PS1 library, if you just want to think to yourself like, okay, hey, I never played PS1 games. I've heard about this Dino Crisis. You know, we got the remakes for Resident Evil 2 and, and all that stuff. We don't have anything for this. I don't think I could suggest it because there's, it's called Dino Crisis. Like it is literally in the name. And I feel like the it least- It is a crisis of exactly. dinosaurs. There's a crisis, <laughs> but the dinosaurs are the least important part of it. They are so, you could swap the dinosaurs with freaking anything else and the story wouldn't change. And I feel like for that. Muppet crisis. What? I said Muppet crisis. Yeah, you, I, I would play that 10 more times. It would be amazing. Am I saying this game's bad? Hell no. It's actually a very, very, very solid game. I think it is the, the definition of a solid game. The puzzles are super serviceable. They're enjoyable. There's a lot of things, and we'll talk about the pros and the cons in, in the second part of this episode, right, when compared to other games, but never did I feel, okay, I am so happy that, like, this is it. This is replacing, you know, if I have P a list of PS1 games, right, and these are the 10 that I recommend, would Dino Crisis replace any of them? The answer is no. Like, it's undoubtedly, like, there's no reason you should play this over even, like, a medieval because that's a unique game. Should you play this, play this over Resident Evil or anything like that? No. Do I think, now, if the question was, should they remake this? Absolutely. freaking Because I think this is the type of game that you mentioned, Ryan, a lot of the reasons they had to narrow the game down was because of technical limitations. So I would love to see this game be reimagined and all of that i think it could be freaking awesome especially considering like if you do like a third person shot i can imagine it's like do you go for the tail kind of like a dead space i think it would feel a lot like dead space if you think about it i don't know if yeah keith yeah. You, you played dead space right yeah i think that's a very good comparison because the enemies in dead space are very much like the dinosaurs in this game just with the benefit of having like more powerful technology behind them like it's very rare that you're facing a slow enemy in dead space but because you have the tools to deal with them and you're not fighting against tank controls it feels a little less one note so yeah i'm, I'm actually on board with you 100 percent. i think there's room for this to be remade in the future i know the easy answer is like oh just do what you did with the re2 remake because that's one of the greatest games ever but honestly i don't think it would be a bad thing yeah i really don't think so and we had a chance to play uh, Dino Crisis on the PS1 because 
it's among that list of like 20 to 30 games that people still talk about, right? Whether it be you should play that one or you should remaster it or you should remake it. But as many as many people point out, it's impossible to talk about survival horror games and not compare them to Resident Evil and Silent Hill because those are the th- those are the games, right? Those are the ones that that's the measuring stick. Like, is this game as good as this or below it? So, in this part of the conversation, you know, we've reviewed Dino Crisis. Now we're going to be finally comparing that first game, which came out in 1999. So, Keith, get ready, Ryan. I, I know you guys have been baking that. <laughs> it's ready to be unleashed right now. Exactly. And specifically determining the pros and the cons. What are some of the things that Dino Crisis did either just as good or maybe even better than these other games? But then on the flip side, what are things that you're like, hey, at least this first game? Nah. Now, Ryan, as the the Silent Hill specialist of the conversation, what would you say that this game maybe did better than Silent Hill 1 or maybe even 2? So I would say one thing that this game definitely did better than Silent Hill 1 or some of the other games in the series was there was actual decision making for your inventory. Um, and I think that's one thing that I think Dino Crisis hits the best of both worlds is you have decision making with your ammo and your uh, health items, but the key items that you need to actually progress in the game are in their own inventory that is like unlimited, which I appreciate because that's one of the, um, like Silent Hill lets you carry everything all the time. And while that's convenient, I do think that makes it, Cluttery. that kind of takes away, you know, it takes an element out of survival horror of that, that style of inventory management. And, you know, Resident Evil, does like it might be a little too strict with like oh i didn't have the crank with me now i have to go all the way back and that really sucks whereas i think dino crisis hits that really nice balance true true in in your case keith uh, as the three of us have played you know the games we're comparing it to what do you think about the the item management part of uh, dino crisis yeah, it was it was good. Like like you said, it was restrictive but not overly restrictive in a lot of ways that you didn't have to choose between the key items and the ammo and health items that much in the game. So it lets you like maximize your tools while at the same time not giving you too much of them, right? Like the, you never really feel like even like Ryan said on the easier difficulties, you never really feel like you get to that point where you just have a ton of ammo and you can just mow down enemies. They give you like enough ammo and items to deal with like maybe a third of the stuff at all times and they strike a really solid balance with that yeah that's a really good point now and when talking about resident evil you know you have been somebody that that's always loved those games and obviously we're talking about capcom so silent hill is like another company here is a company that you know for so long you even just to bring up the context uh, when it comes to release dates resident evil 1 came out in 1996 Resident Evil 2 came out in 98, Silent Hill and this game came out in 99, and then Resident Evil 3 came out just a couple of months after in September 99. Mm-hmm. So as of the release of Dino Crisis 1, Resident Evil 3 hadn't come out, but is there something from RE2 or even 3 that you're like, hey, this game actually did a better job with that? 
Well, I think when you look at the timeline of that, I think that's where the most interesting conversation of Dino Crisis lies. Like you said, it happens between Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3. And if you look at the things that Dino Crisis does that differentiates itself from Resident Evil 2, having things like a more action focus to it, having split paths, having item combining and ways to manipulate your inventory to give you exactly what you need in that moment. Like, those are the things that differentiate Resident Evil 3 from Resident Evil 2. If you take the good parts of Dino Crisis, they, or they took them, and then they just brought them forward in the survival horror franchise, it almost felt very much like Dino Crisis was a testing ground, even though I know they were probably in development at the same time, it felt like it was a feature testing ground for how do we make Resident Evil 3 a quote-unquote better game. So that's what I find so fascinating about Dino Crisis, where you are able to just, you can see the development development of the franchise happen there and this isn't something that's exclusive to dino crisis one either like okay if we're talking about two quickly the big things that differentiate two from one is the fact it's got a more action focus when you kill items or when you kill enemies you're given items and points those points are what you can convert into shop currency to buy and upgrade guns well, what other game yeah, did that? Yeah, I was going to say, isn't... Resident Evil wow. 4. Like, they huh. took the things from Dino Crisis 2, and then they made it into Resident Evil 4. Like, that's kind of what the Dino Crisis franchise is, really, in the survival horror spectrum. Well, so in many ways, it's like Dino Crisis was the necessary sacrifice, because, I mean, we haven't had kind of, any yeah. of these games for over a decade, but... What you're saying, especially with you know Capcom, is they took many of these elements, and you know we we referenced uh, Dead Space in our just overall review. I guarantee you, if I went back and played Dead Space now after playing this, I'd be like, oh man, like I can definitely feel the influences. And when you mentioned that, that was one of my favorite things with RE4 is collecting the currency because I'm like, I gotta save that up, and it's people like to watch numbers go up. Now, something that I would love to compare when it comes to both uh, Silent Hill and Resident Evil that I thought this game did better, and I was kind of surprised by because I had barely seen any gameplay, like to the point that I thought this was pre-rendered. I thought it was going to be RE stock. I'm like, Capcom, okay. The first thing that I see is like, no, it's kind of like Silent Hill, fully 3D, but it's a lot more cinematic. Like, especially even when you start the game, the, the game's not just 3D, like the camera will shift, will pan. There's one part where the camera is like embedded in a broken fence. When you see a dinosaur like break the glass, they they actually really took care of a lot of these things that even for this time, like right now for the video version, we're watching the, the reveal of a dead body. And in the game, that's a big deal, right? Because that's when you're like, oh, we haven't seen the dinosaurs yet. Things are going bad. But you know here. what's going to happen. <laughs> and that buildup is something that Resident Evil did a lot more jump scares. Like with Resident Evil, I can say, well, that's when like the dog breaks the glass. But you didn't get like a cinematic approach. That just kind of happened. With Silent Hill, you have the fog and you can listen, you can hear, there's the radio and all that stuff. But here, the camera is actually part of the experience. I don't know if you guys felt like they actually did do a good job with that here. 
I do think they did. And another thing to go towards its like cinematicness of it that I think they did really well is even though the T-Rex as this boss isn't the most intricate or interesting thing, I do think they made every moment very memorable and like cinematic as you said they really kind of build up to that final encounter of the t-rex and i think that was a super well done thing because it chases you one time it breaks through a window it chases you it looks like it's the end of the game when the helicopter crashes and all that like that's almost like a final bot sequence and then like it dies and comes back and there's just all these twists and turns with like building up to the final encounter with the t-rex and it felt very like blockbuster movie like and i think they did a super good job with that i mean the game in terms of bosses there's really no bosses aside from the t-rex so that's a definite weak point but the one boss i thought they built up very well I would almost argue they did it better than they did with Nemesis in RE3 just because it was it's the concept is the same but they kind of go off the path with Nemesis a little later in the game. Something that we didn't mention in the overall review and I want to know if it was just me. How can that dinosaur be so damn quick at the end of the game? Can somebody explain that to me? Oh yeah, he is gunning through that water. How? Oh yeah. Uh, plot convenience. Yeah, you're in a freaking those little, hovercraft. Those little, those those little arms game. can't do much, but those big old legs can just gun yeah, them people, right You're there. in a freaking hovercraft, it is, right? And you're just blazing. You're just blazing speed. And then there's just like huge freaking T-Rex. He's like chasing you. And you can tell like the animation, he's not even moving fast. But the water's yeah. just moving so quickly. I started bursting out laughing. I'm like, come on, man. There's a reason you can't <laughs> see like his legs underneath the water because he'd be like like moving so ridiculously fast i would have loved to see that so any other things that you think uh, dino crisis did better than silent hill or Ari? i do have something i i will say that maybe you guys will argue with me on this one but i'm gonna say the voice acting in this game was better than silent hill one and and resident evil 2 and 3 i think this actually you know okay yeah, is okay. it amazing yeah. no but like, I think Regina, like, and Gail, all pretty well voice acted. I, I don't know what the scientist was a little cliche, but whatever. But the other it's characters, time, I think, they did a good job because you have Regina, who's the, the person in the middle, and then you have, you know, the the hero on one side and the logical person in the other one. And I think their performances did capture that, whereas I think with it, the yeah. other ones, like Silent Hill, look, I love playing those games, but... We're yeah. not talking about the voiceover being a good <laughs> so, reason you play yeah, those. Yeah, Silent Hill 1 has some really awkward voice acting, which can like kind of work to its eeriness. But if we're just talking like sounding like a natural human being, I think Dino Crisis actually does the best job out of the games we played for the podcast. Yeah, I, that's a very good point, because even though the characters are very much action movie cliches, almost every one of them, there's enough range and emotion in their voice that you're able to differentiate what exactly the cliche that they're falling into with a lot of these other survival horror games on the ps1 it's very one note and then you almost have like the comedic scene where they're trying to get the emotion across but it just comes off as laughable before we get to the uh the cons or things that are maybe not so great something that i thought was very interesting and i kept looking up articles just thinking like what are the odds is the average beat time for this and Ari and Silent Hill are incredibly similar. 
And I would love to ask you, you know, why? So for context, uh, it took me almost nine hours to beat the game. I don't know about you guys. What was your average beat time, more or less? It was around like eight and a half hours. Yeah, I, I, I was in like the seven, eight hour spectrum. Okay, so obviously the, these numbers vary because, you know, as people get better at playing this, it'll change. But even then, the average beat time for Dino Crisis 1 is six and a half hours. RE2 is six. RE3 is six and a half. Silent Hill is seven. And then Silent Hill 2 is eight. I think it is fascinating in a time where people are like, hey, if a game is not a 40-hour experience, it's not worth playing. Yet these games are like, hey, hold my game controller. You know, it's like I want to have the shortest experience <laughs> that's maybe replayable. Maybe you want to enjoy some things. Do you think that average six to let's say 10 hours, right, especially for a first time playing, do you think that is like the perfect length for this type of game? What do you think like that that common theme is a thing? I think that that is, if it was any longer, it would overstay its welcome because a lot of these games, especially from the PS1 era, they were built on replayability because once you beat it for the first time, then you unlock a new mode or a new items or a new difficulty and they give you the incentive to go back and do it again. And especially with the Resident Evil games where they rank you at the end of them, it's like, okay, you got to be this time. Well, I want to go back and do an Eric do an A and it incentivizes you to go faster and the thing about going faster in these games and I think this is why it ends up being the way it is and so close like the better you get at these games the less you actually engage with it like it, there comes a point where you learn the mechanics and instead of having to shoot the dinosaurs or the zombies you just run past the dinosaurs and the zombies so you're it basically turns into like a speed simulator and i imagine that would be why they end up being pretty close cuz it's just how fast can i run and avoid everything through those games yeah, that's a really good point because even myself, like after playing RE and Silent Hill, the first thing I thought of in Dino Crisis is I don't need to shoot them. And I didn't. It's very mm -hmm. rare where I actually needed to destroy, even if a dinosaur was in the way, I was like, okay, I'll just go back to the other room, come right back. And he spawned differently. And once you get with those mechanics, like we are not speedrunners, right? But I feel like that's similar to what a speedrunner goes, which is forget about the game, how it looks, how is it designed? How does the AI perform? Mm -hmm. And once you figure out those things, like the dinosaurs for me, I never felt threatened, even though I did die a couple times. And something else that I do think is positive with this game is it is a little bit more forgiving. Even in normal, you can get the resuscitation. So even if you die, you spawn in the previous room with your stuff intact. And even if you like yeah. lose all of that, you still have like five continues. So for somebody like myself, where I hadn't saved for like a good while, at one point I died and I, I forgot about the resuscitation. I started yelling. I'm like, Oh, I got two of them. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be okay. Like, Amateur mistake. Yeah, th that item was amazing. I really appreciated that. And I never got a game over because of those. Again, I'm Mr. Easy well, over here. But yeah, yeah, I was going to say that's I know, why you I know. didn't. <laughs> I got an asterisk next to my playthrough. We did Resident Evil 3 on Easy. I, I didn't get crap that time. You don't got to okay. justify, right? You don't got to justify. It's okay. All right. All right. Yeah, it, it's all, it's me all feel just insecure. crap. Exactly. <laughs> and but yeah, no, resuscitation was a nice uh, quality of life addition 
that I really appreciated because these games, it's like all that's doing is wasting your time if you get a game over there. Because then it's like, I already know what to do. And it's not like it's difficult. I just have to go back through the and motions. go through all those sections again. Yeah. And in this case, because they're they're pretty generous with those, and if you, as long as you're not being a reckless moron, um, chances are you won't get game over too many times. So it'll just be a much smoother experience. Plus, I think even though we didn't play it multiple times, well, at least I didn't for review. Once you get to that second and third playthrough, like that's basically what the game has. So it really needs to keep you flowing. And I think the resuscitations go a long way with that. Because once you figure out, like a puzzle is difficult once, right? If you're playing through the game again, it's just a matter of how fast can I beat this puzzle. And you don't really get that experience a second time. So the fact that they add that little bit of a quote unquote crutch and make the game smooth like a smooth experience when you just have the action, I think it goes a long way. That's true. That's true. And we've had a chance to talk about some of the positives. Now, if you were to think about cons, things that specifically irked you about this game were not as good, were either just slightly below or far worse, starting with Keith, you know, especially come like, I feel like this is when we really do have to compare it with Western Evil because once again, it is, mm-hmm. it is Capcom. What is like the first thing that comes to mind? It's the action with a giant bullet behind it where I think the fact that I I mentioned it when we were talking about the game and I couldn't say Resident Evil, but the fact that you have dinosaurs there and the one enemy that you're facing is a raptor, there's no cool down period to the action. It's always kind of going at that blazing pace until the point you just kind of figure it out. So in the Resident Evil games, you have the zombies, you have your lickers, you have your hunters, you have the lower enemies that you're able to get a bunch of thrown at you and kind of deal like you're not dealing with the difficulty of the enemy, you're dealing with the number of the enemies that are um, behind you. And it adds a little bit of variety that way. So you're not just facing the hard thing constantly in every room. And in Dino Crisis, it very much is that where you're facing raptor after raptor after raptor. And you don't have all of the resources to deal with everything. So there's no cool down period to it. And it's cool for a little while, but it becomes very like it grinds at you after a while. And that's a very, like I felt that very much after the helicopter scene of like, okay, let's just get to it. I know. Okay. There's another room, more enemies. Let's just get through it and get to the puzzle. And it, it got to me very much near the end of the game. That's a good observation. Something that I'd like to, to quickly bring up for me that I, I'm not going to say was worse. I think it made me feel more detached. What I loved about Silent Hill is, to me, Silent Hill was story first, gameplay second, and everything else afterwards. For me, this game, it's like, if you were to ask me what is like my favorite thing about Dino Crisis, I'd I'd have to be like, it's kind of like a tie, but not like a number one, right? It's like everything is like a really good number three, because Silent Hill, the story is about the character, right? I'm playing as the main character. I want to figure out something about myself. With Dino Crisis, it's I'm on a mission to go hear about other people's things. So even though I have some conflict, 
I'm detached from it. Even though Resident Evil, you know, you're a cop, you know, depending on the Resident Evil, it's either like your first day or something. There's still like a camaraderie or, you know, there's family involved in, in some of the games. And that to me feels more connected. Whereas with this game, it's like, man, for a scientist, like, I don't like the, the scientist voiceover. I don't care about the, I don't care about the person that I'm trying to find in the game, like the main purpose. So yeah. Regina to me comes off as like, I'm a vessel for the story, but I don't, I don't, I don't just want to be a vessel. I want to be part of the story. And I didn't feel as compelled, like Silent Hill and even Resident Evil when I stopped playing, I'd be thinking about like, oh, where are we going next? Like, what's going to happen in the story here? At no point did I ever feel like, oh, what's going to happen in the story now? It's like, well, more dinosaurs. And eventually you're, you're going to find the scientist. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. And you're just going through the motions. Third energy. Yep. Third yeah. energy. Third I, I definitely energy. agree with you on that, Juan. The story, because at the end of the day, these games, as much as I enjoy the clunky gameplay and the tank controls, the, really, they're only as good as their story, right? Because the story is what ultimately kind of carries these. Because the action, you know, some of the game gun gameplay can be a little fun in in these types of survival horror games. And definitely the, you know, the variety of weapons is pretty limited in this game. But at the end of the day, I think Resident Evil and Silent Hill do a much better job of that whole world building and story aspect, right? Where Resident Evil has this zombie apocalypse basically happening and you have this overarching story about this umbrella corporation that you want to learn more of and you know you're kind of unraveling that mystery and then Silent Hill has you know in the first one it's about this kind of death cult or whatever and you're trying to figure out what the heck's going on and why the town is seeing all this craziness silent hill 2 is much more like a personal character's journey but either way like both series have this kind of like overarching like mystery and allure to them where dino crisis they try to build some mystery with like what's going on with the dinosaurs but they kind of just give you an answer and it's really not the it's you're kind of it's not like the most compelling mystery either because you know going in there's dinosaurs and you're like okay yeah it's jurassic park whatever it just doesn't have that like like i said world building or any type of lore that's like sucks you in quite like those two series do you know it's true and then they they give you like the most definitive answer where there's no mystery left. Yeah. It's like, this is exactly why the dinosaurs are there. And you would, you need to get rid of the thing that makes the dinosaurs happen. And I actually feel like that was to its detriment because even though I thought that was the most intriguing part of the story, it's such a throwaway. Like you can take out the whole, Oh, well portal thing from the past. And that's why they're in the current times. Even when you have that information, usually when you get new access, you're like, oh, I expect to see a portal now with like a dozen dinosaurs going in, right? I got to close the portal. We get millions. They come in like the end of Avengers. Ex like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally. It's like, you just see Regina fly up through the portal and throw the bomb. And that would be amazing. <laughs> Instead, so, literally nothing changes. If you find that amazing, what if I told you in number two, they double down on it in like the hardest way possible? 
That actually doesn't sound bad. Like, I want to play. If they lean yeah, into it more, I want to play. Like, yes. Apparently, Dino Crisis oh. 3, they just went into space, and that was the last yeah, thing they I, got. I've never <laughs> that's played apparently, 3. Yeah. yeah, that's when they jumped the shark. <laughs> yeah. so I've they heard the dinosaur, they right. just... Yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. jumped the dinosaur in that I one. Tried. I heard I've <laughs> never played 3, and I've only heard awful things about it, but 2 is awesome. Oh, 2 is so good. I think. I don't know. I thought 1 was really <laughs> good. Was the last, you played, last time you good. played 2? Uh, when it first came out uh, or around then i remember going to a blockbuster and renting it for <laughs> so a it was weekend that long ago <laughs> yeah exactly. that was in the year 2000. <laughs> 2000 okay but let me tell you this what if they harness third energy and accidentally send a city back through time <laughs> is, that, is that what actually happens yeah no, that's that's the plot of dino crisis too okay I, i'm actually interested yeah. in that uh, yeah I, same here Wow, yeah, it's like you, awesome. you mentioned that, and and I think that's the most commending thing, and and something that if anything we gotta we gotta be a little bit more lenient, not to not to justify, but I already mentioned, you know, the timeline as far as releases. So by the time this game came out in '99, they already had context from at least Resident Evil One, and then two back in '98. Now maybe that doesn't give them a lot of time to develop and change stuff but considering the fact that it's all capcom and it's it's not like nowadays where you know one game can have thousands of people working on a game i would imagine that even some people that were work on re2 would be like hey maybe for dino crisis we can take this we can take some of that and you know we saw the evolution of that i think that when dino crisis came out that's when we got silent hill that same year you know we got resident evil 3 just a little while after and even though re3 was i don't think was better or worse than re2 i think it was just more action oriented you know we did talk about that that's available now in the archives we did get a Dino Crisis 2. We did get a Dino Crisis 3. And even if they are better or worse, this is the first installment. So if you were to judge this game in comparison to Resident Evil 1, especially with you, Keith, like how would you fare this game compared to the first one? <laughs> That's really hard just because of uh, it's so like um it's so uh like building on top of each other in my mind so from that i guess this would have been like re regardless of where they went with the franchise i think that this game is a stronger start to a series than resident evil one was because it Resident Evil 1 was a good game that just like it really hit its stride in the second one but I think that Dino Crisis 1 is a stronger uh like a stronger introduction to the idea that they have going forward and you know what happened happened but looking at this on its own I would say that it is a more stronger like yeah a stronger Introduction you don't want to, to say the it's Dino a better game. It's not a better game. Really it's a stronger introduction that. because it is not a better game than Resident Evil 1. And my God, is it not a better game than Resident Evil 2? So something worth considering. I, I know uh, people look at review scores and, and I know that's all subjective, right? But I do think it, it's, it's at least intriguing from an outsider's perspective. So Dino Crisis 1 got a 74%. Dino Crisis 2 got 86. We're talking about a significant increase. And then Dino Crisis 3, which came out in 2003 on the OG Xbox, got a 51. So 
I do think it's something worth mentioning. And another thing that's also worth mentioning is this game came out on the Dreamcast. Like we we all played the PS1 version for the sake of this review, right? Yes. Although yes. I, I should have used it as an excuse to dust off my Dreamcast and, and play it. But <laughs> Man, uh, yeah, I'm sure it would have ran better. did that come out for the Dreamcast? Was that? Dreamcast was 2000. So it didn't come out the same year. At least the release date here is uh, the year 2000. So it came out afterwards. Okay. It'd be interesting to see like uh, if, if you can look up the, the release date of the, the version on Dreamcast, because I'd be curious to see how close it came out to the second one. Because that, that'd be something that's... Uh, pretty unique because the thing that i'm interested in here which i'm currently looking up is how close did it come out to code veronica on the dreamcast because there are if we're going was just churning out these games they uh, really those are some of the same developers actually some of the same people that worked on re4 for example and some of the people that worked on this also worked on code veronica so because I, I didn't even bring it up earlier, but going back to my conversation of things that they took from Resident or from Dino Crisis and then kind of uh, like used them and used them forward in uh, Resident Evil games, when you were talking about the camera angles and how it's a more 3D, not just a background environment, like that's what separates Code Veronica from the, uh, the PlayStation 1 Resident Evil games, the fact that the camera just wasn't in one fixed position it moved with you so that that's another thing you have to give dino crisis we, we props didn't even for. talk about the danger sequences either like the quick basically the precursor to like the re4 quick time events so, right like, okay that's okay, true okay i'm yeah. curious here just first impressions so that is a feature but if you were to say neutral pro or con where would you rank the uh action sequences or danger ones the danger ones. Uh, me personally, I would say they were a pro because it was before it became outdated and gimmicky towards the end of like the PS3 generation, like that time. But they didn't they didn't overuse it, right? It wasn't like oh, God of War, like I got to smack all these buttons to you know kill the Hydra or whatever. It was it was like very select moments, and they only did it a few times throughout the game. And it, yeah, so I thought I thought it was actually really well done. I agree. The fact that they showed a little bit of restraint and only had it in select moments, I think, goes a long way to make it like it. It wasn't a crutch that they used, and it was a way to break up the action. So I appreciated when they showed up. Absolutely. And just for context, uh, Cole Veronica came out on the Dreamcast on February 2000. So I don't have the specific release date for Dino Crisis, but Cole Veronica came out at the beginning of the year. So. It was November of 2000, so Whoa. it came out significantly later. That is, that's actually quite fascinating. Which is crazy that Code Veronica came out in February of 2000. Like, that's right after Resident Evil 3. We, we complain like, about games like oversaturation now. It's like, Jesus. Holy crap. Well, I'm pretty sure RE3 was being developed simultaneously yeah, right, yeah. with Code yes. Veronica. But yeah. that means, like, thinking about timeline-wise, like, you have to imagine that at one point in Capcom's history, Dino Crisis, Resident Evil 3, and Code Veronica were all in some form of development, and that's yeah. nuts. Well, wasn't it RE3, like, they were basically using a lot of RE2 assets, and it was kind of like a last-minute decision to make it? Wasn't it supposed to be like an expansion or something? Code Veronica was supposed to be the actual 3, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but they needed something to fill the gap, and we'll, we'll use gaps in quotations. <laughs> yeah, I was there. Say, to fill they the gap. More meanwhile, money. they're just crank. They're just cranking these games out, and they somehow have a gap <laughs> compared to like now. How many years do we have to wait between like sequels? Yep. No kidding. So to conclude the conversation, if you were to say, "Dino Crisis has more cons or more pros than." let's say you're Resident Evil or Silent Hill, when you put things on a balance on a personal level, like this is all subjective on each one, right? Would you say it has more about the same or, uh, yeah, uh, what's your take with uh, Ryan? I don't want to say like, oh, it's got more cons or or more pros. I would mainly say that, yeah, it ranks below both Resident Evil and Silent Hill. I think gameplay wise, for the most part, it like from a technical and gameplay standpoint, it pretty much stands toe to toe with the other games, minus a, a few features. It's really, in my opinion, where it falls short is the lore and the world building um, and, you know, the characters. That's, you know, I would forgive some of the other lesser faults if it had those captivating me a lot more. Because at the end of the day, that's what really sucks me into the worlds uh, of these games is that kind of the lore and everything behind it. So I would rank it below, but I think it does a lot of things right. Yeah, I have to agree with that, where if we're talking about like the pros versus cons in compared to the other games, I would rank it lower and I guess say it has more cons and things that I don't like. But the things that it does right, I have nothing but respect for Dino Crisis 4. Like if you take the great elements of this game and think about how it moved the other survival horror games forward. Like I have nothing but respect for Dino Crisis in that way. And I appreciate the fact that it exists, but it's only to make the things I love just a little bit better. Yeah, that's a really good point. And even though I didn't love my time with the game, but kind of like what Keith said, I looked at the game and thought to myself, hey, I have experienced this better in a future game, but this was the, st the stepping stone. I think there's always like necessary stepping stones. When the first Assassin's Creed game came out, a lot of people said, hey, there's potential, but the word is boring for a lot of people. Then Assassin's Creed 2 came out and I don't think we need to talk they about it. They found that potential. Exactly. Like it just, it changed gaming in many ways for better or worse, but it definitely changed it, right? So for those that are checking us out on the uh, podcast feed, thank you so much for supporting us in these episodes. If you're checking this out on YouTube and you've not checked out the previous part, we actually have a full review of Dino Crisis because all of you, we just really want to hang out. Like that's why we we can't plug the uh, Discord it's enough. It's all about the conversation. It's all about Juan. the conversation, people. Yeah. Hashtag follow the conversation. Exactly, people. It's, it's all about that. And you, where where can they continue that conversation, Mr. McNulty? Well, one would have to guess would be a castofthepast.com slash discord where you can come and chat with us about a multitude of topics. We've got a video game section, TCG, Lego, because we got Brickhouse Hamilton over there building Legos house, every baby. Wednesday on his Twitch channel. But we talk about a bunch of things. Uh, 
plenty of great members of the community posting their game pickups and just talking about games they're playing and, you know, pretty much any movie or whatever, any topic that comes up. But obviously, video games, movies kind of are our bread and butter. Absolutely. And if uh, all, they wanna, all of you want to check out our individual content, uh, Keith does have a Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash Brickhouse Hamilton. Because, Ryan, you got to say what's done. Yeah. You can't just say Brickhouse Hamilton. Come, come on, Ryan, give it, give it some spice. Come on. All right. He's a brick house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there it is. There you go. And then Don't sue uh, us. <laughs> Ryan is a Zelda expert. He's got like 40 tier lists. He probably made two tier lists while we were yeah. recording this very episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you have questions about the timeline of Zelda, yeah. he has answers. Exactly. Yeah, what He's explained up it to me was... at least five times, and I still don't have those answers. <laughs> These two guys he... got sick of uh, hearing me talk about Zelda, so I just started talking to a wall and hit exactly. the record button, and that's my new <laughs> if channel. If you want to know about Zelda so, uh, and, and Ryan, you can check it out at youtube.com slash game essays. That's game E. S-S-A-Y-S. And then in my case, uh, I have my channel, which is youtube.com slash player Juan with discussion videos or player Juan plays. If you just want to check out some uh, gameplay sessions, a lot of uh, Zelda, uh, not Zelda, a lot of uh, Super <laughs> Nintendo but so, association, uh, Super Nintendo, uh, <laughs> PS3 and some Xbox 360 stuff. So thank you so much. I'm really happy we had this conversation. And as a, as a podcast, we continue like we have like this side project with survival horror, right? Where it's like we started off with a couple of games, but we have a we have a list. Like we've pl- we talked about and reviewed Resident Evil two and three, the original ones, Silent Hill two, uh, one and two, and then we have this. So it, it'll be interesting to see uh, which other ones people would love for us to check out. So please send us a tweet, a cast of the past, or on the Discord you can drop some of those suggestions. And why is it Silent Hill three? It, it's almost like it <laughs> why made it isn't it? It's Code almost Veronica. like it might happen in October. <laughs> yeah, it might, it might. And uh, it's going to be happening. So thank you, everybody, so much. Hope you truly enjoyed this conversation. And we'll be back with another exciting, sexy, Brickhouse Hamilton-filled edition of a cast to the How is that house, Keith? That seems stiff. You know, we're building it brick by brick right now, but eventually we're going to get there. Brick by brick. Wasn't that a song in the Lego Island game? <laughs> Maybe. Pro- probably. <laughs> I, it, it was. If it wasn't, it's a horrible missed opportunity. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs>